We are not strangers to the advantages of shortcuts. We know the number of ways that they can save us time, that they can make a difficult task just a little bit easier. Who would complain if you are in a car traveling with a group from point A to point B and you are behind schedule or you are late and somebody chimes in and says, hey, I know a shortcut, turn here, turn there, and you shave off enough time and you end up arriving on time. There's no shortage of of websites, of blogs, of books that authors make a living on sharing hacks or shortcuts to save a little bit of time. Who wants to spend as much time cleaning the house when, when you could do this hack and, and save a little bit of time? Or, or cooking in the kitchen, and, and here's a shortcut that could save you some time. Writing out a sermon each week would be a lot more labor-intensive if I had to type out the text from the scripture. And you all know if you've typed anything, the, the blessings of, of cutting and pasting and all of the, the keyboard shortcuts that save you time. Shortcuts generally are a good thing. This morning we see our Savior faced with the option of a shortcut. Shortcut that was proposed to to Jesus. Would he he go through with it? Could he go through with it? What would have been the implications if Jesus were to accept the shortcut offered to him? The implications for Jesus, the implications for, for us. We'll focus on that this morning. But you might have noticed in listening to the gospel that Jesus was not the only one that was looking at a shortcut. And now we don't know the the motives behind the words that, or the shortcut that was proposed to Jesus from the Pharisees. Was Was it the truth that Herod had actually threatened Jesus' life? Or were the Pharisees just passing the buck? Were they just making that up because they didn't care, truth or a lie, all they were interested in was was getting Jesus out of town. And that's really what prompted them to say to Jesus in verse 31, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Regardless of whether or not Herod actually said those words or they were just making them up, what do we know about the Pharisees? They didn't really have a track record of looking out for Jesus' best interests. So we know that as they were relaying this message to Jesus, it actually was a shortcut for them, too. Because if Jesus took them up on this offer or this encouragement, that would have saved them a whole lot of time to deal with this this threat, this problem that Jesus posed. If he would have just skipped town and gotten off of their turf, their territory in Jerusalem, they wouldn't have had to plot and scheme and get together that week and cut short their own Passover celebration later in the week. They wouldn't have had to do any of those things if Jesus had just left town and taken them up on their offer. So it was really a a shortcut for them, too, that would have made things much, much easier. But is easier always better. When we consider the shortcuts that we take in life, does just making something easier mean that it was the better choice? Now, I admit that I probably should not be as irritated by this as I am, but I can't help but notice when when I'm hiking and I see another hiker cut from the switchback up just right up the hill or off the trail or wherever they want to go, 
It's that old cranky curmudgeon inside of me that is screaming, you're only cheating yourself. The coach, the personal fitness trainer would say the same thing upon hearing that somebody skipped out a, a workout or, or took it easy on practice. There are no, no shortcuts in that regard. And even in this day and age where if we're working on some do-it-yourself project at home and you can watch YouTube for a shortcut here or a shortcut there, we may have experienced the fact that sometimes the, the time that you save really ends up only costing more money later on. So a shortcut might make it easier, but it isn't always the best choice. Not only that, sometimes shortcuts can actually leave us worse off than when we started, even if we have good intentions. And, and especially in this culture where if there's one area of life that we are looking for shortcuts, our culture doesn't deal very well with pain and suffering and death. So we are willing to take just about any shortcut to avoid any of those things. And, and it's easy for us. Medicine and technology advancements have, have provided a pill for just about any painful symptom you could imagine dealing with. But that, does that always leave us better off in the long run? Rather than changing uh, uh, my eating habits or, or exercising, if I turn to pharmaceutical shortcuts, sometimes I'm, I'm worse off. Work is, is challenging, is difficult, a relationship hurts. And so where do we turn for a shortcut? Rather than dealing with those things, rather than working through them, we, we seek the shortcut to, to relief, and, and maybe we turn to, to drinking or binge-watching or whatever it might be, which ends up being more destructive than just dealing with the pain or suffering, not a healthy shortcut. If you've had a loved one on hospice, someone that is, is near the end, you notice there's been a shift in our culture less and less about treating that individual and more about palliative care. And how many times haven't we heard and said ourselves, the only thing I care about is I just don't want to see my loved one suffer. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but there are consequences when we take the shortcut, and sometimes it leaves us worse off. Maybe the best example, in a day and age where we have so, many, uh, so much assistance, so much help, medicine, technology, again, at our, our fingertips, and yet we see suicide skyrocketing. Why, why is that a shortcut that, that people actually entertain and, and go through with to avoid suffering or pain of one sort or another? So not every shortcut is, is good. And that's important for us to recognize and acknowledge because we also admit that shortcuts, because they're so much a part of our culture, have also crept in, have also slipped into the church, into our Christian faith. Some shortcuts simply a matter of spiritual immaturity, but others really maybe started out intending well and, and don't end up so well. So you think of the, the individual that, that has such a strong faith. Your brother or sister in Christ, you say, wow, they are a rock. Nothing shakes them. Nothing moves them. I want that kind of faith, but I don't really want to have to spend as much time in the Word or worship or prayer as they do. Where's the shortcut to that kind of faith? And I, I'm amazed at so-and-so's patience. But Lord, don't even think about asking me to endure the, the level of trial and hardship that they had to endure to grow that kind of patience. We want the, the shortcut. 
And even in cases where, where a, a thing starts out well and maybe is good initially, if we're not careful to reassess or evaluate it, then maybe it's not worth the shortcut in the end. Think of the, the blessing over the last two years when even though we weren't able to gather in, in person, many congregations experienced that God's people were still able to support gospel ministry through their offerings. There's so many technology advancements that allow you to set up your gifts, you can set them up recurring, and you can make sure that that, that continues to support God's work. Which is fantastic unless that becomes an afterthought and now we're never thinking about our offerings to Jesus. And, and something like uh, online video and streaming, the technology advancements there have been a tremendous blessing over these last several years. But what happens when, if I am otherwise healthy and able to gather as we are now, now the, the shortcut of not having to get dressed, uh, of not having to wake up in the morning and just watching in my PJs, if that replaces, what are we really sacrificing? The sacrament? We're, we're sacrificing people in the pews that are never going to be replaced by a video. So some of these things that, that are blessings that start out good, if we're not careful, we don't ever ask if it's really a, a good shortcut in the long haul. So how do we determine that? when we're weighing these shortcuts, if something is good, if it's bad, if we don't ever assess it, then you might actually end up being enslaved by the shortcut itself and never realize that it's actually doing more harm than good or certainly isn't benefiting you in any way whatsoever. So how does one know what's a good shortcut, what's a, what's a bad shortcut? Well, you might, you might ask yourself or you might consider the opportunity cost. That's a phrase, if you haven't heard it, that is usually associated with getting a handle on your finances and spending. Opportunity cost means that when you make a, a purchase, you aren't just looking at the, the price tag, but you recognize there's a lot more involved when you make a purchase. So you consider the whole opportunity cost. For example, if I am saving up for a trip and I have this fund of money set aside, but then, ooh, there's a shiny new kitchen gadget that isn't cheap, well, I don't have the money over there, but I do have it in my, my trip fund, so I'll take it out of the trip and I will buy that shiny kitchen gadget with it. Well, now, the opportunity cost means it's not just however much that kitchen gadget costs. Now it means that you might have delayed your trip or you might have put it off indefinitely. The opportunity cost is the whole impact that something is going to have on you. And so it's the same when it comes to shortcuts. How do I know if... A shortcut is good or bad? Well, you figure out the opportunity cost. And maybe that means asking the question, what am I giving up and what do I gain? What am I avoiding? What do I attain? So at least in asking that question, you know why you're taking the shortcut. And two different people might come up with two different conclusions. One person, as far as going back to that illustration of driving from point A to point B, one person might determine this shortcut is worth it because it saves me time. Another individual might determine that that same shortcut isn't worth it if it takes them through a shady part of town that they don't feel safe and secure in. So you consider the whole opportunity cost. Now, why does all of this matter? Let's go back to the shortcut that was proposed to Jesus. Could he take it? 
Could he not? First of all, what is the shortcut that really was being offered to Jesus by the Pharisees? I, I think it's relatively plain, but in the events that it wasn't clear, basically what was being offered to him was to avoid or give up death and to gain or attain life, continue living. Take them up on this shortcut, Jesus. Get out of Jerusalem, stay out of Jerusalem, and live. Pretty appealing shortcut, isn't it? So, shortcut or no shortcut for Jesus? Well, he didn't leave any ambiguity in his response to the Pharisees, did he? We're told in verses 32 and 33, he replied, Go tell that fox, I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. I must go on. I must press on, Jesus said. In other words, that was a hard no from Jesus on taking this shortcut. He was not taking the bait. He knew this was not even an option. And the word there is one that Jesus uses on more than one occasion in the gospel from this point on up until his, his death by crucifixion. Notice he says that I must continue on or I must press on. There is a whole lot wrapped up in that word that Jesus is revealing. Think about how different it is when we use the word must. When we talk about having to do something or I must do something, it is usually to avoid a negative consequence. I must do this at work, otherwise I'll get fired. I must do this chore, otherwise I lose screen time. I must do this homework, otherwise I won't do the grade. I must file my taxes, otherwise I'll have to pay a penalty. We must because we want to avoid the negative consequence. Jesus did not say must because he was avoiding a negative Jesus said must because he wanted to ensure a positive. And that positive, dear friends, was your salvation. Jesus must press on because your souls were at stake. Jesus must press on because our eternities hung in the balance. Jesus must press on because only Jesus' holy, perfect, innocent heart was more concerned about carrying out his Father's will than even regard for his own health and body and life. Jesus must press on because he knew that there was no alternative payment that would be acceptable other than his priceless blood being shed for sinners. And so Jesus must press on to die so that we could live. Jesus wasn't about to take that shortcut. He knew there was only one path that would guarantee, that would assure our salvation was secured. And it required his, his death. And he was not going to be talked out of that. He was not going to be convinced to take some shortcut that would have compromised or put at risk our forgiveness and our salvation. And so he carried it out determined, resilient, resolute in his conviction to end up on the cross for you and for me. And not only for you and me, but, but you notice in his final words in the gospel today that, that Jesus was determined 
to carry out this path, to avoid every shortcut, not just for us, but even for the very enemies who are trying to coax him into this shortcut. Notice how Jesus extends a lifeline even to the Pharisees. He says in verses 34 and 35, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That rebuke, that call to repentance was was one more lifeline for the Pharisees to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, what are you saying about me, Jesus? If that's the outcome, tell me more. I'm not interested in that. I don't want to be lumped together with that. And yet Jesus knew that that call to repentance would fall on their deaf ears. But dear friends, that same invitation to repentance is an open-ended one for you and me as well to repent of every shortcut that we have taken, spiritually speaking, to confess every single time that that God has placed a cross in our lives and we've set it down in preference of a shortcut or the easy way. That invitation to repent and confess is, is for you and me on a daily basis as well. And when we do that and and we look not only to that cross that we so often have set down and avoided instead of picking it up and bearing it as Christ calls us to, calls us as his disciples, we look to that cross and more importantly, we look to his cross. And we have the confidence that that is where the price has been paid for every shortcut I have ever taken. And I look to that cross and I find in Jesus the strength then to bear any cross that he might place in my life. The devil throws out every temptation for a shortcut or an easy way out. And living in a world and a culture that is, is so much inclined to take that easy way out and that shortcut. Jesus promises you that not only when he places those crosses, those hardships in, in our lives that are because of the fact that we are Christians and they call for sacrifice and they mean persecution and they mean inconvenience. He promises us that we'll never carry those crosses alone, but that he will bear each and every one with us. And you can, you can take that to the bank. You can take Jesus' word on that because you know that you have in Jesus a Savior who does not take shortcuts. Amen.